0: Where if you mouse over the link at top for online edition, you will see the link to read ACIM OE. On that same top-down menu, there is also a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and a text reading for the day. All right, my name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 a.m. Eastern Time. Today we're continuing our reading in the Manual for Teachers with Section 4 what are the characteristics of God's teacher? And we'll be reading the first ten paragraphs there. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. And uh, Brian's been called to attend to her brother. So um, we are looking for someone to lead that recollection uh, of our lesson this morning at the top of the hour. Okay. Well, let's see. I think that's it. I just omit uh, a reminder. I think I've probably never given, which is, uh, we do ask this conference call everybody's background noise. would probably sound like I don't know, an ocean train wreck. But, um, so we do ask that people mute the phone when they're not speaking or reading. And, uh, at this point, I could do my favorite thing. <laughs> Lori, do you have an opening for us this morning?
1: I do, LeMoyne. And I'm so blessed to subscribe to receive some meditation thoughts from Marianne Williamson fairly regu- regularly and today <clears throat> I'd really like to share this one excuse me a second it Goes like this may my mind reflect God's love Every single moment, the universe is ready to begin again. The only point when God's time intersects linear time is in the present moment. Miracles happen not in the past or in the future, but now, every instant, every instant, God is pouring forth His love for me with endless opportunities for renewal and rebirth. God is always saying, Quote, here is the glory of the universe. Do you want it? Embrace it, for it is yours. End quote. Dear God, whose mind is the realm of truth, may your word be all powerful in my mind. May the world I live in here on earth reflect the reality of your love. May I think your thoughts and make manifest your love. Today, may I receive what I need. May my way be unblocked as I unblock my heart to others. When I'm tempted by fear, may I be guided back to love. I will receive whatever I request. Amen.
0: Thank you, Lori.
1: I was really happy to receive and share that today. Thank you.
0: Okay, well, this morning I have with us and reading, I have Lori. Jennifer, um, and Karen, and Jessica, (coughs) excuse me, and with us in listening, I have Robin Marie, uh, Judy, and Harrison. Is there anyone else who's joined the call and would like to say good morning or join the reading list?
2: Uh, Good morning, good morning, it's Lana. Um, Good morning, everyone. Uh, I'll be listening this morning.
0: Oh, great, thank you. Welcome, Lana.
3: Thank you. Oh, I'm so glad you're here.
0: Okay, I'll go ahead and get us started then with the reading.
4: Okay.
0: In the manual for teachers, um, I'm just going to touch one line before we go here. Uh-huh, okay. Section 4, the manual for teachers. What are the characteristics of God's teachers? Let me try and say that as a question. What are the characteristics of God's teachers? The surface traits of God's teachers are not at all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly and their superficial so-called personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they as yet required the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is, of course, only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching-learning situation is geared, become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike. And, um, Laurie, would you read uh, one through three?
1: Oh, I'd love to. Section four, one of the characteristics of God's teachers... The surface traits of God's teachers are not all alike at all alike. They do not look alike to the body's eyes. They come from vastly different backgrounds. Their experiences of the world vary greatly, and their superficial so-called personalities are quite distinct. Nor at the beginning stages of their functioning as teachers of God have they as yet acquired the deeper characteristics that will establish them as what they are. God gives special gifts to his teachers because they have a special role in his plan for atonement. Their specialness is of course only temporary, set in time as a means of leading out of time. These special gifts, born in the holy relationship toward which the teaching learning situation is geared, become characteristic of all teachers of God who have advanced in their own learning. In this respect, they are all alike. 2. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Hmm. Nevertheless, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Trust. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is the result of learning. In fact, perception is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by a capital power, capital which is in them, but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world.
0: Thank you, Laurie. And Jennifer.
5: Okay. Uh, Trust. Three... Okay, I pick up at three, correct?
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I was thinking that, but yeah, two two through four. And then we'll go to regular there, stepping
3: Okay, thank Repeat
0: you. Repeat two. Yeah, thank you. No, thank you.
5: Uh-huh. All right, two. All differences among the sons of God are temporary. Nevertheless, in time, it can be said that the advanced teachers of God have the following characteristics. Trust. This is the foundation on which their ability to fulfill their function rests. Perception is the result of learning. In fact, perception is learning because cause and effect are never separated. The teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. It is governed by capital P power which is in them but not of them. It is this power that keeps all things safe. It is through this power that the teachers of God look on a forgiven world. 4. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an eagle has been given him? and who would place his face in the shabby office of the ego when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make this
0: shift? Thank you, Jennifer. And Karen, would you go back to your pattern with four and five?
2: I'm sorry, I didn't hear that. Do you want me to give oh, four and uh, five?
0: Four and five,
2: yeah. Okay. When this power has once been experienced, it is impossible to trust one's own petty strength again. Who would attempt to fly with the tiny wings of a sparrow when the mighty power of an eagle has been given him? And who would place his faith in the shabby offerings of the eagle when the gifts of God are laid before him? What is it that induces them to make the shift? Five. First, they must go through what might be called a quote, a period of undoing, unquote. This may not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are taken away being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless, unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seems to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the next stage, the second stage.
0: Well, thank you, Karen and Jessica.
5: Uh, five. Uh, maybe I'll read the, uh, the previous sentence. What is it that induces them to make the shift? First, they must go through what might be called a, quote, period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being, is being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. When the teacher of God has learned that much, he goes on to the second stage. Next, the teacher of God must go through a, quote, period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because, having learned that the stages in his life are always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it he will find that many, if not most, of the things he valued before will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lesson for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to understand that all things events, encounters, and circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion. The word value can apply to nothing else. Well,
0: thank you, Jessica. And is there a new reader for, uh, paragraph six and seven?
1: I can do it, Lemoyne. It's Jude.
0: Okay. Please do.
1: Next. The teacher of God must go through a period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because, having learned that the changes in his life for always helpful, he must now decide all things on the basis of whether they increase the helpfulness or hamper it. He will find that many, if not most, of the things he valued before will merely hinder his ability to transfer what he has learned to new situations as they arise. Because he has valued what is really valueless, he will not generalize the lessons for fear of loss and sacrifice. It takes great learning to, capital, understand that all things, all events, all encounters, and all circumstances are helpful. It is only to the extent to which they are helpful that any degree of reality (laughs) should be to Accorded them, in this world of illusion, the world, quote, value, unquote, can apply to nothing else, The third stage through which the teacher of God must go can be called a period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict, Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. The third step is rarely, if ever begun, until the second step is complete. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice. His own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not yet realized, as yet, how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He could learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Though this he learns, through this he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy, lightheartedness. Instead, where he thought something was asked of him, he finds a gift bestowed on him. (laughs) Love this stuff. Thank you. Well,
0: thank you, Judy. And is there another new reader for seven and eight? Another new reader for 7 and 8?
1: Hi, I could try. I'm in a different edition. This is Sarah, but, and so I'm not sure if it will be quite the same.
0: Okay. The can you start different. with the third stage?
1: I can do that and read that one in the next one? Sure. Yes. Um, thank you. Thank you. The third stage through which the teacher of God must go can be called a period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it will engender enormous conflict. Few teachers of God escape this distress entirely. There is, however, no point in sorting out the valuable from the valueless unless the next obvious step is taken. And there's a sentence missing from this edition here. Therefore, the period of overlap is apt to be one in which the teacher of God feels called upon to sacrifice his own best interests on behalf of truth. He has not realized as yet how wholly impossible such a demand would be. He can learn this only as he actually does give up the valueless. Through this, he learns that where he anticipated grief, he finds a happy light-heartedness instead where he thought something was asked of him. He finds a gift bestowed on him. Now comes a period of, quote, uh, now comes a, quote, period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. <laughs> now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering. And the teacher of God is now at the point of his, in his progress at which he sees in, his, in it his whole way out. Quote, give up what you do not want and keep what you do, end quote. How simple is the obvious <laughs> and how easy to do. The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not yet come as far as he thinks. Yet when he is ready to go on, he goes with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. Is that where
0: I stop? Yeah, that's, that's perfect there, even noting the. Yeah. <laughs> um And uh, yeah, that was the only difference. As far as I can tell. Is there another new reader for eight and nine? Another new reader for paragraphs eight and nine? Okay, back to you, Lori.
1: Okay. So after the period of relinquishment, now comes the period of settling down. This is a quiet time in which the Teacher of God rests a while in reasonable peace. Now he consolidates his learning. Now he begins to see the transfer value of what he has learned. Its potential is literally staggering. And the Teacher of God is now at the point in his progress at which he sees in it, his whole way out. Quote, Give up what you do not want and keep what you do. End quote. How simple is the obvious? And how easy to do? The teacher of God needs this period of respite. He has not come as far as he thinks. Yet when he is ready to go on, he goes on with mighty companions beside him. Now he rests a while and gathers them before going on. He will not go on from here alone. Nine. The next stage is indeed a quote, period of unsettling, end quote. Period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valuable valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. Yet his own sorting, yet his own sorting, but was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, though central to his thought system, had made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he'd learned willingness. But now he sees that he did not know what the willingness is for now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long long time he must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance Were not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced it would be hard indeed
0: Thank you, Lori. And Jennifer. Nine.
5: The next stage is indeed a, a quote unquote period of unsettling. Now must the teacher of God understand that he did not really know what was valuable and what was valueless. All that he really learned so far was that he did not want the valueless and that he did want the valuable. Yet his own sorting out was meaningless in teaching him the difference. The idea of sacrifice, so central to his thought system, has made it impossible for him to judge. He thought he he had learned willingness, but now he sees that he does not know what the willingness is for. And now he must attain a state that may remain impossible for a long, long time. He must learn to lay all judgment aside and ask only what he really wants in every circumstance. Were not each step in this direction so heavily reinforced, it would be hard indeed. 10. All finally, there is a quote-unquote period of achievement. It is here that learning is consolidated. Now what was seen as merely shadows before becomes solid gain be counted on in all, in all quote-unquote emergencies, as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is the result. The outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought, and full transfer. This is the stage of real peace, for here is heaven's state fully reflected. From here the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would go, who would quote unquote go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than this?
0: Thank you, Jennifer. And Karen, would you conclude with 10?
2: And and finally, there is a quote unquote period of achievement. It is here that learning is consolidated Now what was seen as merely shadows before become solid gains to be counted on in all quote unquote emergencies, as well as tranquil times. Indeed, the tranquility is their result. The outcome of honest learning, consistency of thought and full transfer. This is the stage of real peace where here is heaven state fully reflected From here, the way to heaven is open and easy. In fact, it is here. Who would quote-unquote go anywhere if peace of mind is already complete? And who would seek to change tranquility for something more desirable? What could be more desirable than
4: this?
0: Thank you, Karen. <clears throat> and we have we have a few minutes before the top of the hour, so uh, I'll ask again if there's anyone who would like to volunteer to read to to lead today's lesson, three thirty nine, and. Uh, Anyway, let's do do that right here. And uh, I think there's one thing to say which is, uh, which is interesting that it doesn't talk about trust really in anything. And uh, doesn't really even say trust in God. And I think what occurred to me when I was about to speak, to speak on it was to look at trust here as listed as a characteristic of God's future which though maybe appearing different than the way the world is it is something that is intended for everyone and to be shared and so this trust is not a trust in something outside yourself that he is speaking up here. Well, I mean, it's not just that. It's not best described as that because this is something internal. You see an external, there's an internal, and the trust exists <laughs> within. And uh, I just wanted to make that point was planned but <laughs> that what came out. So anyway, um I think that we have time for short dialogue. Anyone wants to share?
1: Hi, Lemoine. it's Jude. I um I think the the lesson for me makes it clear. Do I want the ego or do I want God? And um, I, was, I, was, I was thinking, w- would it be good for everyone to read it? What is the ego in its entirety today in order just to really look at the contrast? Thank you. I'm complete.
0: Okay. Well, I think that's a fine idea. And uh, um, yeah. Let's- Let me me just ask that. Would you all like to read it one paragraph at a time? Read it through off the reading list? Sure. That sounds good. Okay, well, I'm not getting any objections, so... um, I'm going to just pick up where the reading list left off and we'll read What is the Ego, which appears in the text, or sorry, in the workbook before lesson, or after lesson 330, before 331. And uh, Um, let's see. I'll ask uh, Jessica, can you start us off? Title and one. Okay. Well, um, I'll turn to you, Judy. Turn to you next. Would you read Title and one, Judy?
1: Am I next? Okay, here we go. What is the ego? The ego is idolatry. The sign of limited and separated self, born in a body, doomed to suffer and to end its life in death. It is the will that sees the capital will of God as enemy and takes a form in which it is denied. The ego is the, quote, proof, unquote, that strength is weak and love is fearful, life is really death, and what opposes God alone is true.
0: Thank you, Judy. And Sarah, did you read two?
1: Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Two, the ego is insane. In fear, it stands beyond the everywhere, apart from all, in separation from the infinite. In its insanity, it thinks it has become a victor over God himself. And in its terrible autonomy, it, quote, sees the will of God has been destroyed. It dreams of punishment and trembles at the figures in its dreams, its enemies, who seek to murder it before it can ensure its safety by attacking them.
0: Well, thank you, Sarah. <coughs> and uh, I guess in the interest of continuity, we'll just go uh, to you, Laurie.
1: Son of God is egoless. What can he know of madness, the death of God when He abides in him? What can he know of sorrow and of suffering when he lives in eternal joy? What can he know of fear and punishment of sin and guilt of hatred, hatred, and attack, when all there is surrounding him is everlasting peace, forever conflict free and undisturbed in deepest silence and tranquility.
0: Thank you, Lori. Jennifer?
3: For to know
5: reality is not to see the ego and its thoughts, its works, its acts, its laws, and its beliefs, its dreams, its hopes, its plans for its salvation and the cost belief in its in, in it entails in suffering the price for faith in it is so immense that crucifixion of the Son of God is offered daily at its darkened shrine and blood must flow before the altar where its sickly followers. Followers prepare, prepare to die.
0: Thank you, Jennifer, and Karen.
2: Yet will one lily of forgiveness change the darkness into light, the altar to illusions to the shrine of life itself, and peace will be restored forever To the holy minds which God created as his son, his dwelling place, his joy, his love, completely his, completely one with him.
0: Thank you all. And uh, well, I ask one more time: Is there a volunteer to lead us in Lesson Three Thirty Nine? I will receive whatever I request.
1: I can do that one more. There's no one Did else? Did someone offer?
0: Um, yes, Laurie just did.
1: Okay, go ahead, go ahead, Judy. No, you, please, go ahead. Okay, lesson 339. I will receive whatever I request. No one desires pain, but he can think that pain is pleasure. No one would avoid his happiness, but he can think that joy is painful, threatening, and dangerous. Everyone will receive what he requests, but he can be confused, indeed, about the things he wants, the state he would attain. What can he then request? that he would want when he receives it. He has asked for what will frighten him and bring him suffering. Let us resolve today to ask for what we really want and only this, that we may spend this day in fearlessness without confusing pain with joy or fear with love. Holy Father, this is capital, your day. It is a day in which I would do nothing by myself, but hear your voice in everything I do, requesting only what you offer me, accepting only thoughts you share with me. Amen. I will receive whatever I request. Take five minutes. Silence. I will receive whatever I request. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Cheers.
0: Well, thank you, Judy.
4: Good
2: morning. It's Karen. Um, thank you, Judy, for leaving that. I will receive whatever I request. is very um, important and pertinent in the context of what we just read about trust. Um, When we're in the ego mind, we think that all of these things will make us happy. And the text is telling us, the teacher's manual is telling us that there is a period of sorting out what is valuable from what is valueless. You know, all these ego things are valueless. What's truly valuable is what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. But there is, at least I know for myself, there's still conflict involved. You know, there is still conflict involved in the belief in of sacrifice. Because the ego has believed forever that, you know, certain things are its right and will make it happy. Um, I know it's silly, but for myself, I know, you know, just as a, a really dumb experience, Example would be sugar. <laughs> I like sugar, my ego loves sugar. Sugar is bad for me, and I know it's bad for me, but according to the world, you know above beyond the world, sugar doesn't mean anything. it's an illusion, of course, but in the context of the world and the health of the body, et cetera, et cetera, it feels like a sacrifice and i I know there are deeper and more meaningful examples than that one. But it says fear of loss and sacrifice um, are the things that we value before that hinder our ability to transfer what we learn to new situations as they arise. In this period of sorting out all things, events, encounters and circumstances, we want to only keep what's helpful only to the extent which they are helpful that any degree of reality should be accorded them in this world of illusion and value can apply to nothing else. And that's basically what this lesson is saying. I will receive whatever I request. My ego thinks that joy is painful, that it is threatening and dangerous.
4: Um,
2: And that God's will will bring me suffering. But I want to give this over to God, and I want only what God wants me to have in my higher self. I will receive whatever I request. I want the Holy Spirit to eradicate all those ego desires so I'm not in conflict anymore, so I can just be in complete openness and willingness even to the very subtle extent that sometimes my ego tells me, you know, my control issues are spiritual, but they're not, you know, because I think I I have to do this, this, and this in a certain way because that's spiritual. But the Holy Spirit says, don't listen to the ego voice at all. Be open, be sensitive, be receptive in every moment, and I will tell you what to do. And that's really kind of like a a big stretch from where I, I, I'm on automatic pilot most of the time. That's enough for me. Thank you. I'm complete.
5: Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. <laughs>
4: Thank you, Karen. That was so helpful.
5: Thank you. Hi, this is Jessica. <laughs> Go ahead. If no, no. Anyone else just wants? Her. Okay. Yeah. I just want to give anyone a chance who wants to thank Karen. Um, so... You know, this this section is really reassuring to me because there are three times that... I'm trying to get back to it now. Somebody's in my house and I got distracted. I think I missed a call to read, but... Sorry. Anyway, um, before the period is settling down, there's... Um, there's... A period of undoing, this need not be painful, but usually is. Then there's um, a period of sorting out. This is always somewhat difficult because, and so on. Then comes the stage, (laughs) period of relinquishment. If this is interpreted as giving up the desirable, it would engender enormous conflict. So there's three periods that are Challenging, Let's say, you know, if they're perceived one way and apparently according to what he's telling us most or many people do and I can say that this has been true for me and I've, I've definitely, you know, I've listened to a lot of Ken Wapnick recordings and he's very much, you know, um, this is not a, a course for the faint of heart. Because the letting go, the giving up, the uh, you know, then of course there's the settling down. But
3: um,
5: and you know, I think one can go through these different phases more than once. But um, you know, I, I experience it as somewhat f- f- frightening to uh, give up things or to think I'm giving up things when, in fact, uh, as he tells us, we're not really giving anything up. We're we're getting wonderful, beautiful peace and joy. But it does feel like, oh, no, I can't have this anymore. Uh, I have to let go of that, and I, I have to simplify and relinquish and all that stuff. And after a lifetime of being told that, having things and getting things is what life is about. And the more you get, them, the more happier you'll be, or the more successful you'll be, or, or any of that stuff. I mean, I don't believe it. And I never really did. But it still operates in my ego mind, uh, in the ego mind, when I allow it to take precedence uh, for any period of time. And so that's, the conflict that comes up and you know I know there isn't really a conflict because I am I am not really here and I'm really in in the heart of God at all times in peace and joy but the illusion is here and um so so these different phases definitely bring up for me a lot of tearfulness and some of the tearfulness is about the oh, I'm giving up my identity I'm giving up this this um construct of my personality slash my um, my personality um image quote unquote image of who I am that I've sort of cultivated in different ways and and I don't need it, and it's not really valuable. But the, it, it's a conflict because I thought it was. I thought it was that for a long time. And so I'm giving that up. And at the same time, the tearfulness is about, I know this is true. I know that the truth of what awaits me and what is within me and what is what I am within is so much more beautiful and so much more satisfying. And and that brings up tears, tears of joy and tears of reunion. Um, so it's a, it can be a very emotional um, process, at least for me. I'm complete.
1: Thank you, Jessica. That um, seems like some deep looking within um fruit I'm glad you shared it I'm complete
2: Thank you Jessica that was very expansive for my my way of seeing it thank you
4: Thank you Jessica
5: Thank you Jessica <coughs> I've been thinking about this uh, as being, um, you know, the transition phase that we go through every time we reach a certain age and things change. And if we're willing to allow God what it says to show us what we need and what we don't, then we can fully enter into the next phase that we are in, (laughs) that we're going to and that we will be in. So this reading makes a lot of sense to me um, because I don't want to be hampered by the old. I don't want to be hampered by, um, you know, where I am not anymore. I want to be fully present now. So,
1: thank you. Oh, thank you, Robin Marie.
2: Thank you, Robin Marie. I love
5: that. It was beautiful. Thank you. Thank
3: you, Robin Marie.
5: I just thinking it, it is sort of like you know everything in nature um undergoes shedding like lizards or snakes or I guess snails I mean lots of things have to shed and grow something new and so do we thanks
1: Oh, thank you, Robert Marie. <coughs> Good morning, everyone. This is Lori. And uh, and on a personal note, uh, I would, well, you know what, I'm not going to do it like that because we're invited not to judge ourselves because we're always wrong about that, too. Um, But I can say that I clearly identify a lot of these uh, transition points is what I would call them. and and can relate um, to how he describes the experience one has uh, in that aspect of the journey for sure Um, (laughs) that first period of undoing in in my book and I use my book not just to read from but to uh, sort of keep a journal of my own of my own progress (laughs) in that first That first period of undoing, I typed in or wrote in the notes of my book uh, that that's the bungee jump. (laughs) You know, that that place you get to in your life where you say sooner or later everybody recognizes there must be a better way. Um, So I call that the bungee jump. I have no idea what's coming next, but I know this is intolerable, so I'll take a leap sort of thing. That period of undoing usually experienced as painful not because the jump is painful but because everything that led up to that um, choice um, was experienced as painful. A definite I don't want that. (laughs) Uh, I want something different without knowing what the something different is and I'm willing to take a chance. And um, And, of course, everything at that point in my life was something I wanted very, very, very badly, but in spite of my best efforts, it wouldn't happen. And uh, and I basically just uh, committed my spirit to God because I was so fed up. But anyway, <clears throat> I'm trying to be lighthearted about this. <clears throat> but, you know... Um, I think he's telling us that these trans transition points, uh, like you said, Jessica, uh, are not necessarily light-hearted at first uh, because of the depth of of uh, my lack of understanding. Um, I need to, and here's my favorite word, discover, discover, uh, to uncover. Um, the truth that's always been there I have to make my way past a lot of mental blocks uh, that I've set up myself and um, most of those mental blocks uh, are unclear to me you know Uh, the only thing I have to guide me is um, this learning to trust the voice you know Um, the voice that led me to take that bungee jump in the first place is going to um, be there to guide me the blocks that i've set up in my own way uh, oftentimes um, result in me taking my first step without guidance and discovering that, oops, uh, there's probably a better way to have done that also. And as a consequence of that recognition, um, I'm led into this period of sorting out um, what is going to be valuable and what's going to be valueless. And, and along that way um, of discovery, in learning to listen to this voice uh, I come to the realization um, that the more often I opt for listening to the voice and receiving the benefits of learning that way uh, the more I am willing to relinquish taking that first step on my own and as a consequence of learning that way through discovery um i find that i have been uh led through a period of sorting i didn't like wake up one morning and say okay i'm gonna i'm gonna do some sorting here like going through the socks drawer <laughs> you know it, it wasn't like that it was more a, a way of discovery and there's a poem for that uh, Ruby says when you start walking on the way the way appears and this sorting and relinquishment is very much like that when I take a step on the way and receive the benefit of trust that oh yes you know doing it this way um, causes me to experience a consequence I really like um, and it feels useful as opposed to doing it the other way uh, i am more often uh, going to fall to my guide rather than my own way and um, and over the over the course of that um there comes he calls it the period of relinquishment um, where in my experience it was a sort of I have no flipping idea what's going on here Um, I I know that I step on the way and the way appears but I don't know what's holding me up here yet Um, I feel like it's me and my guide but there's a lot more going on in my life than me and my guide there's um, my loved ones, there's my circumstances, there's my prior goals, and things that um, I had hoped to achieve in my life. There's a lot of stuff that needs to be consolidated here. And by consolidated, I mean uh, recognized as um, I am committed only to this, this moment now in total forgiveness. Committed only to this moment now, in total commitment and willingness. I love the way you say "be here now," Rob uh because it's uh, very much a, a period of discovering that everything is truly valuable. Everything is truly valuable because all things are lessons God would have me learn, even the death of a loved one even um, the loss of a job even uh, a temporary illness in the body even the loss of a significant relationship that everything not in and of itself but everything has the potential to enhance my trust and belief and faith In the goodness of the universe everything in spite of external circumstances has the ability to help me recognize that love is being manifest in me and in my world through this event and this event and this event in spite of how it looks in terms of my own desires I can't in my experience I could not do that alone Uh, even with just my guide I needed help I needed uh, reinforcement I needed um, to see and be seen by another loving being and I think that's what he means by loving mighty companions Um, one must I believe have um, one must have a tangible um, being to call upon for help. Um, And that's uh, you all. Um, Because of the purpose of this journey, uh, being unity, um, one must, I believe, have an experience of unity or a shared purpose. And that's um, that's what I refer to, or I believe he refers to, as mighty companion. The recognition that the purpose is shared by many, and because of the holiness of the purpose, it is so very, very desirable, as opposed to anything else that I might have previously thought worthy. Um... And then comes this period of settling down and that's that's really nice and everything Um, but I think there's an invitation after the period of settling down to recognize um, that one has a higher purpose than just that that one has uh, a call if you will a deeper call. Um, I love the way he talks about about this deeper call, in of course, of love. He calls it uh, the desire, the desire <clears throat> to make the unknown known. There's um, an ever increasing desire uh, to see love manifest in the world, and. Um, and for that, I think that's where we're at. Lesson 339. I will receive whatever I request. And in this lesson, he, he says, um, "Hear only the voice. Hear only the voice for truth. To request what the voice for truth is offering. I don't know what that is." I don't know what that is, but I know that I desire it with all my heart, and that I believe that the universe is just like Marianne Williams said said in that opening. The universe is saying, "I." I got to wake up my computer so I can read that line again. It was so beautiful. Here's the glory of the universe. As if God is saying, "Always here's the glory of the universe." You want it, embrace it. For it is yours. And I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that looks like. But I know that I'm in a position when I request what God wants to offer me. I know I am in a position to be His manifestation of love in whatever circumstance I find myself. And that's a, a higher calling. He calls it in the course of love, the, the desire to make the unknown known, you know. And um, and to me, that's what that fifth period of unsettling is all about. I didn't know. I I, I didn't know. I had to um, constantly. I do have to constantly ask because. <laughs> My judgment. Even even just last evening, I had a, a spell of bad judgment. You know, I'm always being asked to um, relinquish the idea that I can know what anything is without being told. And when I'm listening deeply, it's going to be a manifestation of love in some way that I'll recognize and know, and I will vibrate or resonate with, and my piezometer will say, "Yes, this is it." And it's all good because it's God, and um, and I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what what much comes after that, but I know that um, when I resolve those relinquishings of judgment, um, it feels pretty pretty unified. And so uh, I think it's a beautiful process he describes here, and every achievement. Is not a personal achievement. It's a deeper and deeper reliance upon the the reality in a capital R way. You know, when when I don't know much about trust, I don't know much about trust, but I do know I do know this for a fact that reality is safe and sure and wholly kind to everyone and everything. And that there is no greater love than to accept that and be glad. For love gives everything that makes for happiness. And um and when that sneaks up on me and it does, uh it's not an achievement like thing. It's like little cat feet. They come in and I say, Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. Oh, that's what he meant. And over time, I discover, to my great amazement, that it's really true. It's really true that there is no will but God. The will to love is all there is. And I thought I had a different will. I thought I had a different will. But where did that go? Oh, there it is again, <laughs> and then I'm back to then I'm back to work. So anyway, I'm, I'm complete.
0: Thank you, Lori. Thank you. Thank you,
5: Lori. Thank you, Lori. Yeah. Nice. Thank you, Lori. Great to be on the call and to get on the call and immediately hear you and um, saying such wonderful and true things. I'm complete.
0: Hi, Ida. Welcome, Ida. Hi.
5: Thank you, LeMoyne. How are you, LeMoyne? Good
3: morning, this is Sandra. And I really appreciated your share, Laurie. And particularly your reference to making the unknown known. And my experience with that is subconscious mind that my subconscious mind was programmed and that has to come to the surface. I have to see the programming, the faulty, the mistaken programming. That programming was that there was something wrong with me, that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't very smart. That kind of programming, which, you know... (laughs) I just came to conclusions from my experience, what I was experiencing, experiencing, and I came to conclusions that were mistaken. It wasn't the truth of what the world is. It It was the ego's truth. And so the trust that has to happen is I have to trust my relationship with my Holy Spirit, my higher mind and and use that for guidance instead of the ego. But I got to know what those subconscious thoughts are first so I can heal them. And the first thing, first part of that healing is forgiving myself for believing those lies that I told myself about myself that weren't true. It's not how God defines me. It's how... My mother defined me, or my brother, or a friend, or I just let the world define who I was. And I have to forgive myself for that. And the reason that it can be painful and threatening is because those patterns are habitual. I'm familiar with the egoic patterns. And now, I don't want to be familiar with them. I keep asking the Holy Spirit to please Purify this subconscious mind, not only mine but everybody's, <laughs> and uh, and that's kind of scary at times because I'm familiar with the subconscious mind. I'm familiar with the ego, and when I try something new, it's it can be a little bit frightening. But the the bottom line is, it's it's the gateway to joy. This forgiveness of myself. And of everybody who bought into the lies, just like I did, is the gateway to a new heaven, a new earth. It's the only solution: is forgiveness. I'm complete. Well, I really
1: appreciated your share too, Sandra. That's so true about all that buried material.
5: Thank you. Yes, thank you, Sandra. I agree. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sandra. Good to hear you on the call, Sandra. It's been a while. I hope you're doing good. Um, Love to chat or talk with you sometime if you feel like it. This is Ida. I'm complete.
1: Mm, Thanks, Ida. We do miss each other when we're not here, don't we? I know I do, too. Thank you.
5: Hi, this is Jessica again. I just wanted to comment on the the part about trust. Um, it's, uh, let's see, the teachers of God, in the middle of the paragraph three, the teachers of God have trust in the world because they have learned it is not governed by the laws the world made up. Um uh then it goes on, it's governed by a power which is in them but not of them. But that's, um, that's a really key thing to remember that, um, you know, when I slide into believing in the laws that the world made up, then I don't trust the world. And um, that I'm not in my teacher of God-centered truth. So, um, you know, and I think about that often, like as I'm walking around, driving around, whatever I'm doing, I think about, oh, the laws the world made are not the, the real laws that, that govern my existence. And it's very reassuring. It's a little confusing sometimes, but it's very reassuring. The part of me that knows what that means and knows it's true loves thinking about it. I'm complete Thank you Jessica. Oh
1: thank you Thank you, Jessica <clears throat> that That reminds me or while you were saying that uh Jessica I remembered um what I wanted to say about the the settling down period. Uh, the period of relinquishment, the third one and and the settling down one, the fourth one. Um he talked about mighty companions and not going out alone. And that's why I wanted to to um emphasize that um because giving and receiving are one in truth giving and receiving are one in truth um I need the experience of that I I have to have that experience um, in order to understand the the all-important lesson that will uh, propel me out of this world and but I don't mean out of this world in a way that this world doesn't exist I mean out of the world that my illusions had covered dark you know the veil across the face of Christ the veil across the world is all based up based on my judgments and failure to understand that that what i lose my brother is lost but what my brother gains is given me <coughs> that's the lesson that we're here to learn you know if my brother loses i've lost it what my brother Gaines has given me that's the only way that i can learn that giving or receiving are one in truth you know we have a the, the teachers of god you know having answered the call what is the call except to share atonement to share the idea that we are all the holy spirit we are all host to god we are all individual um, representations, representations of uh, the truth within us, you see, the power which is in us but not of us. And if that's true, that we are all representations of truth, of the love of God, I must have an experience of that. And the only way, the only way to have an experience of that is through sharing the atonement and recognizing that what my brother loses, I have lost, but what my brother gains is given me, you see? And trust, as I experience it, as the transformation of heart and mind, um, is entirely through that process you know when I realize that when you start to walk on the way the way appears what is the way except sharing atonement? what is the way except that recognition of holiness what is the way except that I find those expressions of source that are uniquely mine to share you know Um, and, and life Has a way of presenting those opportunities where I can over and over and over again learn that holiness must be shared. Um, And and through the process of forgiveness, I come to understand that uh, I, who am host to God, (laughs) you know. it's impossible to be host to the ego and host to God. You know, I'm not hostage to the ego, but I host to God, and I have to have the experience of giving and receiving, being one in truth, um, for that realization to finally sink in, and um, and trust that it, that when I seek guidance, the guidance I'm going to receive is going to be guidance that. Causes both me and the situation to experience unity together. Um, so that's, to me, that's sore on wings of eagle stuff uh, rather than trusting on my own resources. So, <clears throat> anyway, that's, that, that's the bottom line, you know. What my brother loses, I have lost. What my brother gains, has given me. And uh, that's how I come to understand I can't give myself my own innocence. You know, I can't do that. Uh, but by sharing atonement, sharing the unity, um, by recognition of the face of Christ, um, where is judgment now? You know, um, judgment is what caused all my problems. <laughs> so anyway, I'm complete. I'm really glad you opened that up, Jessica.
5: It's an unconscious process, mostly. You talking or on the phone? No, honey, on the phone. Okay. okay. Um, <laughs> the judgment, and it's become more and more conscious as I work with Holy Spirit over the years. Sometimes it seems to happen so fast, so quickly in my mind. I'm not aware of having the judgment. Uh, I might be aware of the feeling that comes from that thought. But I assure you, and perhaps you've had this experience, hopefully, you know, that over the years of studying this course and working with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus, that the judgments have become more conscious, the thoughts have slowed down, as I've learned to love myself and to initially accept my thoughts coming from me, or through me, even the judgments. that then I can replace them with correct thoughts, such as the lesson for the day. I use the lesson for the day a lot. and Now I can't even quote it to you. But that's okay. I'll get back to it. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete.
1: Thank you, Ida. Boy, those lessons
5: are acres, aren't they? <laughs> yes. And it seems like Jesus knew when he was writing the book to help. Every single year of my studying this course with you guys, it's 215, um, what lesson I would need any given day of the year, what lesson I would need most, and he gives it to me. Uh, It's, I would say it's uncanny, except for the fact that, and it does feel that way, but You know, it says in the Course that immediately after the thought of separation occurred to the Son of God, God created the Holy Spirit and inserted him, him for want of a better word, into time and space so that he was always here is always here in every situation with everybody, whether they know the Course or have an overt spiritual path or not. The only thing we can do to mess it up is to interfere in that process, but it doesn't really mess it up. It only appears to mess it up for a while, temporarily. You know, sometimes I've hated time, but thank God for time because it gives me time to come back to the truth after, after seeming to mess it up for a while, to grow up. Because as a child, as Sandra was saying, I felt very uh, restrained and constrained and in the matrix of the box of the society, the ego world, which I pretty much blamed on my parents, but they were just loving me the best they could. And now that my mom passed on, I can see that even more clearly, that they never tried to hurt me. They only tried to express their love to me. Their love didn't always look like the love of God to me the unconditional love but I grew up in a way and to make my own matrix to be a mother of two sons and and to give them the best I could at the time and it was in my 20s and I thought I was a grown-up and I knew more than my parents when I was 11 but when I look back on my 20s when my kids were little I wasn't very mature. If I was, I might have been able to save my marriage instead of ending it, right? But, okay, so you know what I mean? So, it's all good. It all works out for the good. He found someone else that was really a good match for him. And I found myself. <laughs> Thank you. I'm complete.
1: That was a nice walk, Ida. Thank you for sharing.
5: You're welcome.
4: Thank that you was so beautiful. much,
5: <laughs> That was great. Thank you. Thank you. You're welcome, you guys
3: yeah I appreciated your share as well, Ida, and because <laughs> finding yourself, your true self, is the atonement, and it only takes one. I'm complete.: Oh, great. That's wonderful, Sandra. Thank you.
5: on behalf of everybody. I've never thought of it quite that way before. Finding yourself is the atonement. I really like that. Thank you. I'm going to remember that.
1: (laughs) That was excellent. Thank you, Sandra.
5: And I don't know if my personal curriculum from the Holy Spirit, my spiritual path, includes having a partnership, a life partner again, or if my spiritual path is such that I should be, like, seemingly on my own in this world, Of course with all of you, Jesus and the Holy Spirit, with the oneness of the Son of God, none of us are ever really on our own. I don't know. I just have to do the best I can every day and let it play out as it wants to, as Lao Tzu said 500, 600 years ago, whatever, in China. Um, Well, we put it into our modern words, into English, and we say, go with the flow but I think he was sort of the original guy that said that in his own words. Thank you.
0: Well, this is Moyne and thank you all for a very lovely dialogue this morning I particularly appreciate where uh where you you uh Sandra and Ida got to that, uh um You know, atonement's often associated with uh, making reparations or remorse or something, but um, the the frame that it is on the personal level, it is just restoring us to who we are and who we truly are, is uh, the... It makes it inviting. (laughs) That's lovely. And uh, I think it's a really good match because that could be a description of what these stages are. Um, Our uh, return to who we really are. And uh, I... I kind of find it interesting that that uh, what is the ego? Uh, you know that the ego. What is the the question? What is the ego is is uh, so late in this in the series of lessons that it ends up here. But I think you know another another frame to look at these stages that are listed today is. Uh, at least the first few are, uh, are the, uh, as the relinquishment of idols, you know. The, the first step, it could be when an idol falls. It need not be painful, but it usually is so experience. <laughs> and then what do you do with it? And you know, there's at least in the first couple, you can we can return to um, idolatry, if you will. Because the ego is idolatry, and that central thought for the lesson says, and you know, that's a, a practice of a way of living as an effect and giving up real cause which must be free um, for compromises that the world seems to demand. So, in the, you know, in the text, he says, what is an, an idol is an idea that we hold as more important than our brother, or, you know, any, in the ego is where the brother is at. It's uh, an idol we hold as more important than who we truly are, and, this, I think, is you know, like you say, there's it ends up being in the subconscious where the value has been covered or twisted or buried and lost, and that's why there is a a need to uh, maybe a need to to pass, like Jessica said, pass through these stages. In, in different times right in different ways with different things um so that we begin to see that the that the way is broader than we think you know i tend to think and the bible says that at least that that sometimes it is a, a challenging path to god and this. And, and it is as much as we um, don't value what is what is real in the sense of eternal and always true. Um, and I think any misplacement of value will lead to uh, lead us to difficulty. If it, it attempts to establish the impermanent as something real and eternal, but you know just mm-hmm. I think the the answer that the the atonement that's it, in the atonement as well is just this idea of the simplicity of salvation It's already given and and so it is certain in that sense that it will win out you know what we truly are will win out and uh hence the lessons and and uh instructions or or just that uh that that thing where i uh, done this to myself goes from being a self-judgment to uh, a door to a, an entirely different view of choice and value and, and actually a statement of freedom. And uh, I think I'll stop there. That's a good place to stop. It is about choice. As it says in the rules for decision, it's echoed in today's lesson. Yeah. Remind yourself again the one repeated instruction is choose again what kind of day you would like to have. <laughs> and uh, that is the you know I, I think the framing of everything is properly set in what today, I think we call everywhere. Oh. Ego. And ah. the, the world seems to demand the particulars cause our existence rather than the true cause which is eternal and there i am complete thank you all for being here and the recording here but not the call and thank you the morning have a wonderful day thank you morning you as well